0: Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the Chair of Colorectal Surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Very happy to have on guests that we've had on the past, uh, Dr. Sarah Vobler, who is our Vice Chair of Operations here in the Department of Colorectal Surgery at the Cleveland Clinic and also our Selection Chief for pelvic Floor Disorders. Sarah, welcome back to Butts and Guts. Thanks. So for those uh, who don't know, uh, March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And colorectal cancer, as you know, is one of the leading causes of cancer deaths in the United States in between two and three every year. However, the unique thing about colorectal cancer is that we have advances in early detection and treatment make it one of the most preventable and potentially treatable forms of cancer. So we are extremely excited to have you on. And thank you so much for joining us here on Butts and Guts. And so... As you know, I like to always go back, for those who haven't listened to the back issues of our podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where did you train, and how to come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic?
1: So I was born and raised actually in Ohio and Cincinnati. I did my colorectal surgery training in Minnesota, just like you. And then I've been at the Cleveland Clinic for almost two years now. As a section head for public floor, so growing that program, but also here at main campus working with all the other sections.
0: So, you know, let's go very high level on colorectal cancer. So how does colorectal cancer start and kind of what time periods are we starting with? Does it take three days or what what, what does it do?
1: So you don't wake up in the morning and think, I think I have colorectal cancer today. (laughs) Um, It can be somewhat insidious, which is why we recommend screening with colonoscopy because it typically starts as a very benign polyp. So a growth in the colon that over years, not hours, can develop into something bigger, a bigger polyp and then eventually turn into something that's malignant, so a cancer.
0: So Sarah, we know that there is a lot of patients out there that may have had a colonoscopy and were completely surprised by a cancer diagnosis that they are completely asymptomatic and would have never thought. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this here today, but just in general, what are some of the symptoms and maybe some of the warning signs of colorectal cancer that tell our patients out there do not ignore this go in and get checked out
1: so definitely don't ignore things that are somewhat obvious so a change in bowel habits that could be blown off pretty easily but I think I ate something or my stomach hasn't been acting normal but any change in bowel habits blood in your stool unusual aches or feelings of bloating discomfort that are persistent and don't go away say within 24 hours you should talk to a physician about that don't try to just treat it yourself
0: so I, let, let me ask this maybe a little bit different way. So a lot of the symptoms you just talked about, whether it be pain or bleeding or changes in bowel habits, that could be symptoms due to benign disease, right? Right. And so uh, some are obviously, in the majority of the time it's less serious than others. So how do you know, how do we tell our patients when they should actually talk to a doctor?
1: So that's the tricky thing. So and you probably see this too, that our whole clinic sometimes can say hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids. Everybody thinks they have hemorrhoids because these are very non-specific symptoms of the bleeding and changes in bowel habits or GI symptoms. So if it's a persistent symptom that has gone on for, I don't know, say two to three weeks, but is certainly unusual to you is when you should seek some medical advice. And certainly if you're in the age category of above 45 or 50 in the timeframe where you should be having a screening colonoscopy, you should definitely seek medical attention and probably a colonoscopy.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna get into a little bit of that later. So. You know, a lot of patients may ask us. So, you know, I've been having some of these symptoms. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I don't want to go and tell them, you know anybody. But so, is the first step to see a primary care doctor, or, or where do they go from there?
1: I think probably the first step, the easy step, would be to see your primary care physician. They know you best, so they probably know are you on blood thinners, or is there something else that is causing these symptoms more likely in you, and they can start some easy treatments evaluations, and then they will refer you on if they think it's time to do something like a colonoscopy or other colorectal cancer screening methods.
0: So one of the more common questions we get is, let's take uh, just the average person out there. When should the average person, not a lot of risk factors or no risk factors, when should they get their first colonoscopy?
1: So the easy answer is at age 50. Um, Some of the Changes that are underway are moving that to an earlier age, so you may have heard that it's a popular cancer now in younger people, so maybe not in 70 to 80-year-olds, but it's more the 40 to 50-year-olds. So the American Cancer Society in 2018 made recommendations to start screening average risk individuals at age 45 as opposed to 50, and the U.S. Preventive Task Force is currently in the process of finalizing a recommendation to start, start screening at age 45.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to know that maybe something that didn't get a lot of highlights is actually African-Americans and those patients who have metabolic syndrome, we commonly think of them as more the obese patients. Also, the screening recommendations a few years ago dropped to 45. So I think that's the major change that we're seeing out there. So you mentioned it very briefly. I'm going to circle back and make you discuss it a little bit more. You said, talk about the term screening colonoscopy. Uh, there's something else up there that patients may have heard of a diagnostic colonoscopy. Is that a diagnostic colonoscopy in general? Is, it, is that the same thing?
1: The actual procedure that's going to be done is identical. The reason it's called something different is diagnostic means that the patient has a symptom. So they're presenting with bleeding or pain or change in bowel habits, and you're doing the colonoscopy to seek a diagnosis for that symptom. Screening colonoscopy is simply meant for a healthy individual with absolutely no symptoms that we're just going to make sure there's not a cancer or polyp or something else that could be taken care of in a preventative fashion.
0: So we're going to enter into a section of the podcast that I like to call truth or myth. So truth or myth. If I have a family history of colorectal cancer or I have inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, I should be getting a colonoscopy before the age of 50.
1: True. Well, it depends, I guess. So if your family member had colon cancer before the age of 60, then your first colonoscopy would be 10 years before. So it would be before you're at age 50. Absolutely everybody should have a colonoscopy at least
0: by age 50. Yeah, so I think a good way to think about that is again we're talking about screening colonoscopies. We just mentioned a little bit about the changing guidelines. That is a process and evolution. That I think everybody should be aware of. And I think that now that, that the important point is is what we're really talking about is a risk factor. So understand your family history. Understand that there's certain things that may make you more prone to having a higher risk of the development of colorectal cancer. And just as Dr. Bolter said, second truth of myth: if my first colonoscopy shows no concerning polyps at all. I don't need to schedule another colonoscopy unless I start developing symptoms.
1: Myth, although that seems to be a popular thing that people think. (laughs) (laughs) So you need to have a colonoscopy at least every 10 years if you're having, quote, normal colonoscopies, which means that you do not have any
0: polyps. Sir, if you have somebody, how how does the role of kind of the cleanliness of the bowel play into Uh, When we follow those patients back, I know that obviously one of the worst things that patients do, and we'll get into the bowel prep here in just a minute, but does that play a role in terms of when we bring patients back?
1: Yeah. So if your bowel prep is not clean enough that you would be able to see polyps of a certain size, so typically it's like six millimeters if you're not going to be able to find a polyp that's about that size because there's too much stool or murkiness in the colon, then you should not wait 10 years. You're going to have to come back probably in about two years. It depends in, of the situation and the patient's history, but your endoscopist will make that recall faster than 10 years.
0: So true or myth? colon cancer is different than rectal cancer.
1: Both are cancers but they're not the same. So rectal cancer is in the very end of the GI tract in the last 18 centimeters of the GI tract right before the anus and colon cancer is throughout the rest of the colon. They're treated slightly differently.
0: Yeah, I encourage all of our listeners out there. We've had podcasts in the past that talk about, you know, everything ranging from, radiation therapy and chemotherapy for rectal cancer versus surgery followed by maybe or maybe not chemotherapy and uh we do have a lot of good data and podcasts that are dedicated to that so please see some of our back podcasts so that you can kind of go into that difference right there
1: okay one for you yeah truth or myth the prep is worse than the scope
0: you know so i will tell you this as somebody who practices what they preach i have gotten a colonoscopy and i will tell you that The PrEP itself wasn't as bad as what I thought it was, but definitely the scope was no big deal at all. I I barely remember the scope, I can tell you. So for all of you who are worried about the scope and what it's going to mean, alleviate that concern from my lips to your ears. Speaking of PrEP, can you talk a little bit about the different methods to PrEP for colonoscopy?
1: So most of the PrEPs involve patients being on mostly a liquid diet the day prior to the procedure. But the actual meaning what you drink to clean out your colon can vary. So it may be as simple as Gatorade and Miralax at a certain dose, or it may be something that's prescribed, go lightly. I don't know all the different ones on the market right now, but your physician will pick which prep is safest for you and what they have the best results in cleaning
0: out. So for those who, you know, have had some discussions or maybe seen some TV advertisements, there's Obviously, some other screening tests that are available for the detection of colorectal cancer. Can you just touch very high level on what those may be and then what the pathway may lead down depending on what they show?
1: So ideally, you want to screen by some method, for sure. You don't want to ignore this. But the advantage to colonoscopy versus Cologuard or some of the DNA screenings or even just Uh, Fecal hemocol is that a colonoscopy will actually allow for identification of a polyp and then removal of it as well. So you would eliminate your risk of that turning into a cancer. The other screening techniques are more likely just going to identify if you should have a colonoscopy because there
0: might be something there. So, in general, uh, is this, you know, whether it's being scared of the prep or scared of the scope or, you know, any different plethora of reasons that may be out there for our listeners to say, I am not going to get one of those. Is this something that patients can discuss with their doctor? Absolutely.
1: They definitely should
0: discuss it with their doctor. And I think
1: the majority, you probably had this experience. The majority of patients say afterwards, Oh, that was no big deal. And I'm so relieved that now I know I'm cancer free and I'm good for 10 years.
0: That's fantastic. And so Sarah, as you know, we always like to end up with our guests, a couple of quick cares And since you've been on before, I thought I would give you a couple of different questions. And so what, if you were to fill in this blank, if you had all the money in the world, I would go to this place on a trip. Yes. What would that place be?
1: French Riviera.
0: Okay. Any, any, uh, any backstories of that? Is it is oh, no, the beauty? The,
1: Absolutely gorgeous.
0: Fantastic. And so if we were to walk into your operating room and listen to the music, if any, what would we be listening to? Country. Any particular artist in general?
1: Kenny Chesney, probably.
0: Okay. I I like that a lot. And so, your first car that you ever had?
1: Oh, was a really ugly, blue Oldsmobile.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And then, finally, click hitter. You know, we talk a lot about this era, especially during COVID, where a lot of this idea of just looking at a television series, and this is the one you need to be able to see. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners out there?
1: I, I think I go through Netflix too much now, so I'm watching Homeland, but... It's hard to pick one that I would live or die by.
0: Well, I think Homeland would be a nice, <laughs> nice recommendation for those of you out there. So final take-home message to our listeners just regarding colorectal cancer symptoms and screening guidelines in general.
1: I think it's important to take care of yourself, and this is an easy way to keep yourself healthy and actually keep your whole family healthy by knowing everybody's risk because it can impact your family given that it has some genetic predisposition. So make sure you're staying safe and getting your colonoscopies at age 50.
0: Well, that's fantastic advice. And so to learn more about colorectal cancer, to schedule a colonoscopy, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash colonoscopy. That's clevelandclinic.org slash C-O-L-O-N-O-S-C-O-P-Y. Or call the Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute at 216-444-7000. That's 216-444-7000. And again, you've heard me say this before, but please remember that in times like these, especially as we're talking about screening-type procedures that may be completely asymptomatic or if you're having those symptoms that you don't want to tell anybody about, it is absolutely important for both you and your family to continue to receive medical care. Rest assured, here at the Cleveland Clinic, we're taking all the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities, protect our patients, and our caregivers. Dr. Broderick, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks a lot. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.